There's this myth that to be an artist, you must struggle. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. This is a podcast for people who are looking to realign with their inspiration and intuition. We chat with industry professionals about everything from their spiritual experiences to the everyday practices that help them stay energetically and mentally in tune. My name is Madeline Corliss. I'm the creator of The Energy Studio. Welcome to The Energy Studio Podcast. Hello, hello. In today's episode of the Energy Studio Podcast, we have financial freedom coach AJ Wilbrum. We talk about the relationship between standing in your energetic power and your finances, the first three stepping stones for people who are feeling overwhelmed by their finances, and the relationship between mental wellness and finance. So let's get started. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. This is so exciting. I guess just to jump right in, do you want to tell people a little bit about what you do and how you got to where you are? Ooh, okay. So um, I am a financial freedom coach and I was very intentional with those choices of words because I, um, I help people become financially free so that they can relieve their chronic stress and anxiety, depression, Um, worry caused by not having their finances in order so that they are free of the free of all of those feelings when Mm -hmm. it comes to money. And I have found in my own life and in other people's lives that once you have that freedom financially, it's much easier to have freedom in a lot of other areas of your life. Yes. And mainly to make choice, like freedom to make choice in your life, to have agency in your life. So often we're being possessed to do things based off of expectations that we have set upon ourselves that aren't true and Mm -hmm. that others have set upon us that we have deemed to be true. Mm -hmm. So really like stripping that away when you actually get to be in choice if no one is in control of your decision-making and you release those expectations that you had when you were five on what it means to be successful, what it means to have money, what it means to have wealth, um, and what it means to do your job with integrity. I, I say that because I know for so many artists, like they're, they're, they're given that, as, that belief that, oh, you're going to be poor mm-hmm. until you make it big and then you're going to be a millionaire. Yeah. Um, so whatever beliefs that you have about money, when you can release all that, then you get to choose the life that you want based off of your core values. It matters to you most. And what's really interesting is what we tend to find is that the things that you carry so deeply ingrained in you, the beliefs about yourself have like a a shadow and a a light. Mm -hmm. And when you acknowledge them at the same time in the same space, you'll find that the things that you were hiding from that you didn't want anybody to know about are actually the things that you value and want the most in life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I hide from everybody that I'm not enough. So I like do everything within my power to show everybody that I'm enough. So I work 75 hours a week and I'm always at my friend's birthday parties and I always have the present and I always have the card and I'm super organized and I, I'm showing everybody in the whole world that I'm enough. Mm-hmm. And what, and when you realize that and you acknowledge that it's coming from this place of not feeling enough, when you start to really embody and feel enough, then you're like, oh, well, I do love working and I do love seeing my friends and getting them the perfect gift and all of that stuff. But now I can do it from like a way more integrated place, like a way more settled place. Yes. I love that concept. And I, I had a 
a realization about that. And I had this idea of like, I have to have this perfect work-life balance. And I was saying like, I'm working so much right now. And she was like, well, what if you could just accept that you're enjoying the work you're doing? And I was like, oh, I'm working because I actually want to be working. I don't have to feel bad about uh, being, feeling inspired in this month. And, you know, I'm not going to work 10 hours a day for the rest of my life. Like that's not realistic, but where I was in that moment, she was like, well, why don't you just accept that you're enjoying it? And it brought so much ease Mm -hmm. to the, uh, just to what I was doing. Um, and I think the same is true in so many different fields. Um, and I mean, I've been experiencing this since working with you with finances of like, I, I have very uh, strong avoidant tendencies or had when I, uh, when it came to finances and I actually really enjoy looking at them and working on them when I do it and when I do it consistently, but what gets overwhelming is the not knowing. And so then I just like keep putting it away and I'm like, no, I just like still don't really want to look at it. But when I'm on top of it, I actually do enjoy it. And, um, and I find that like every week I'm texting somebody, I'm like, I just figured out a way to do this cool thing with my money. (laughs) And, And it's just so silly because even a few months ago, that was something that just like, didn't really come up in conversation. There was a lot of conversation about, uh, I just don't know how I'm paying this thing or like, Hey, I just got this check, which is going to let me pay for like this other thing, but I don't know how I'm paying for this thing. And it was a lot of, uh, that fear-based talking. 100%. Looking at your finances gives you ease. Like going back to what you were saying of like how your mom gave you ease just by giving you permission. When you look at your finances, you're essentially giving yourself permission Um, to be like, where, what do I want to do with my life? It's not just where I want to, because money is the thing that connects you to everything that you do. Yes. You don't need money to fall in love. You don't need money to have friends. You don't need money to be a good daughter, but it enables you to go do all those things because go going to fly to your parents costs money, Mm -hmm. you know, going on dates costs money, buying gifts for friends costs money. And it's like, you need to be the one in control of that because otherwise everybody else is going to be in control of you. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think something I've been talking to a lot of people about is that sense of, well, the difference between people who have done the personal work and the energy that they carry into audition rooms versus the people who haven't and who have that desperate feeling of like, mm. I have to get this job because if I don't, I don't know how I'm paying my bills yes. or I don't know how X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And I think when you're in a, a feeling of safety, and I think finances, that's a huge part of it you can walk into a room and you can say, well, if I get this, great. And if I don't, it wasn't meant for me and that's okay. And you can also say, does this job align with my values? And do I actually want to take this job? Is it in alignment with my career? Yeah. Instead of just, well, I booked a job. I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it's going to give me money. Yeah. I was talking about this earlier. Like when people are like, why do I need an emergency fund? Like I'm really obsessed with emergency funds right now, because I think it's something that like, people aren't like totally clicking and getting as a collective mm-hmm. of like the, the importance of an emergency fund isn't just for an emergency. It's so that you feel empowered to like take action in your career and in your, um, and in your choices around 
what you want to do with your life. So for example, the two, the two best examples is like a lot of women and men a lot, but a lot of women don't ask for more money at work because they're so scared. It's going to like make them lose their jobs. They like have this intrinsic belief that like, if they ask for more than like, they're going to be like, Oh, well we can find somebody else to replace you. Mm -hmm. And if you had like an eight month emergency fund sitting in your high interest savings account, you would feel so much more confident to be like, I fucking deserve this. I earned this. I work really hard. Here are my metrics here. Are what, because that whole conversation you just were telling me about that you used to have, like, how am I going to pay this bill? Where is this money going to come from? That sucks energy away from you being able to do your work. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people in that scarcity mindset are constantly like, how am I going to get the next thing? How am I going to get the next thing? And then they actually can't get anything done. I actually saw it a lot when I was working at, I was a yoga studio manager and I'd have a lot of people who'd come to me and they'd want to develop and grow in the business, but then they like wouldn't show up for their shifts or they'd call out, Mm -hmm. but they'd always be stressed about money. And I'm like, yes, I understand you're making minimum wage right now. And that sucks but you're allotted these amount of hours and you're not even taking them because you're so stressed about money that you, you're not, you're literally missing opportunities to make money. And the better work you do in this job, the more likely you're going to get promoted and you're going to get opportunities to make more money, but you're so stressed and consumed with making the money that you're not even showing up to make the money. Yeah. And then the other way that I think an emergencies fund is so valuable is if you want to leave your job, like if you're unhappy in your circumstances and you're leveraging at other jobs. So, or let's say you're unemployed when you're unemployed, that's like the hardest time to get a job, right? Because like mm-hmm. you're, there is that level of desperation, but if you know that you're like covered and you're financially secure for eight to 12 months, you can go into those interviews, exactly what you were saying with like people going into auditions with confidence that like, mm-hmm. you need me as opposed to, I need you because I don't know how I'm going to eat tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different uh, energy that people carry. And I also think uh, we're really tired of being around desperate people. It's Mm. just exhausting. And I think when somebody has a different energy and they can walk into a room, I have one client who's in my unblocking course right now, who, when I asked her what her goal was for the end of, by the end of the course, she said, I want to walk into a room and know that I belong there. And I was like, how empowering is that? How amazing would it be to see a person just walk into a room fully embodied in themselves and be like, I'm here and let's get to know you. Yeah. And like, that's so just refreshing and contagious as well. It's also scary. I always, I mean, it's been quoted to a million times, but the Marianne Williamson quote, Mary Ann Williamson quote is something that I really, truly believe. It's so funny. I have no Leo in my chart, but um, I, there's something about, I feel like that is like the most Leo quote ever is when you yeah. let your own light shine, you unconsciously give others permission to do the same. Yeah. Um, but she starts that quote with saying, you are not afraid to be weak. You are not afraid to be less than. You are afraid to be powerful. Mm-hmm. You are afraid to be magnificent. And I think about that all the time, how often we actually shy away from stepping into our power for so, I mean, there's a million different reasons why that can be. That can be because we don't feel we're deserving of it, but also the the responsibility. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of responsibility with power. And also I know for me, my story was that it 
Um, I never wanted to be the pretty one. I never, even though I desperately wanted those things, but I never wanted to be the pretty one because my sister was sick. I didn't think I was deserving um, of being the pretty one. I also like, didn't want to be the best because I knew that when you're the best, you're kind of like, people can be jealous of you. And I wanted to be relatable. I wanted everybody to like me. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was so much potential that I wasn't even tapping into. Like since I was a kid, Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't go there because my identity was so intrinsically tied to being liked and being accepted and being relatable. Yeah. Um, God forbid I like be exceptional because that, and, and what the universe always does and like what your life always does is it brings people into your life to keep like to um, perpetuate the beliefs around yourself. You, you yeah. draw in people. So I had people in fifth grade who were jealous of me and who outwardly told me that my power made fifth grade made them uncomfortable. They didn't say it like that. Obviously we're 10, yeah. but in a way that I translated that, that I have to dim down. When I was at sleepaway camp, I was really extroverted. I was like from Manhattan, everybody else was from Long Island. So like I had this big, it's a very different energy when you're like from the suburbs versus city kid. Yeah. Like we're all like crazy in the city, you know, like we all, had therapists and we had all these crazy extracurricular activities. Whereas like in the suburbs, it's like dance and gymnastics and your life's very regimented. Mm. Um, Like we were all my friends growing up in the city were raised by babysitters. Like we just had a very different upbringing. And I'm like this loud extrovert person, happy to run on stage. And I got shamed. So I was bullied horribly for being so confident. And so I associated with that. I can't be this like big thing. I had to do it in a different way. So the way that I, the route that I went was relatability. I shut off my like intuitive psychic abilities. And I was just like, I need to be, I need to fit in, which was probably a good thing in the long run. Um, I certainly like fitting in. (laughs) Um, And I don't think I would have enjoyed a childhood without friends. Yeah. And I think that that could have definitely been a path had I, decided I was just going to like solely focus on like a goal and like be the world's greatest actress or, you know, whatever else I wanted to focus on. Yeah. That's so interesting. My brain is going like 10 different places. Go all of them. Um, I think I'm very much the opposite, Mm. which is so interesting to me because I always was striving to be exceptional. I wanted to be the popular girl, but I never quite was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, I never quite hit the mark because I also was so focused on theater from such a young age and theater was really my life aligning principle. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really wasn't until maybe even like a year ago when I started looking at, okay, well, why am I actually in this industry? Well, actually that's not true. I did start looking at like, why do I do this? Mm -hmm. Um, pretty much right when I got out of college. And in the past year, I started to revisit that question of like, okay, why do I do this? And am I doing this? Because it's just how life was and like the thing that felt good. Or am I doing this because I really feel like I need to do this? And, you know, I've come around to be like, oh no, I really want to be doing this. I enjoy it. It's like, I found a passion early on. um, And I'm grateful for that. But it's just so interesting to hear you talk about that. Cause I think I had the opposite experience and 
uh, I actually had a relationship and I felt this in multiple romantic relationships where my partner didn't know how to operate with me because I, my energy is so large Mm -hmm. and especially in love. Like I love big and hard. And, uh, my, the Reiki healer I work with was like, your heart chakra is like ginormous Mm -hmm. and strong. And I was like, that makes so much sense to me because, uh, my last romantic partner, I kept feeling this sense that I had to dim my light and it was so uncomfortable for me. And I wanted to do it because I loved him very dearly. And ultimately we ended up breaking up for many reasons, but because I felt like I couldn't be fully in myself yeah. in the relationship. And I think um, my godmother, who is very similar to me, she said uh, she had a similar relationship and she was like, you know, it took a long time. But she has this wonderful husband, David, who's this big man from the mountains. And oh my God, I love had it. This uh, talk with him and was like, I'm a very big energetic person and uh, and I swear and I yell and I have a lot of feelings. And she's like, it's not at you. I just have to like release them to the world. And um, and she was like, and if you can't handle that, then I need to know. And his response was, I'm a six foot man from the mountains, bring it on. Like he grew up in a family with like 12 siblings. And she, she was the one who affirmed that uh, it's okay to be expansive in yourself. It's okay to be expansive in your light and to really embody who you are. And that uh, I will find a partner who can energetically meet me on that level and who isn't, uh, I don't want to say intimidated, but who can hold that space for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, circling back to money. <laughs> but I oh, I want to kind of go on, riff on that for a second because yeah. when I um, connected with Brett, my fiance, mm-hmm. um, or reconnected with Brett, we went to sleepaway camp together when we were kids. Um, and I was in like completely in my power in a way that I had absolutely – actually, I have to tell this story because um, – it's so in line with what you do in energetics and um, the energy you give off. So when I was 14 years old, I had had this horrible breakup with my middle school boyfriend. Um, and it was extremely traumatizing because when I was 10, like I said, I basically decided that it wasn't okay for me to be popular and beautiful. And this was like all undercurrent happening in my life. And I got, so instead of dating the popular boy, I dated the guy who like nobody, like he was mysterious. So he was really liked that way, but like, he wasn't a personality in the, in the force, you know, Mm -hmm. like of the middle school relationships and he, and our really, it was so unhealthy, our relationship, even as kids, it was so unhealthy. And we broke up and I decided that I was going to take that pain and I was going to um, fix myself and improve my life at 14 years old. And so I um, started doing community service and like getting into volunteer work and I got like really into it and it kind of started to become my identity later on. But at that moment, it was very transformative and I was very empowered by the work that I was doing. 
Um, and I started to get a lot of recognition in school. I won awards. Like people were really like, oh, wow. I like changed my group of friends. Um, I was just like, I'm just going to like do me. And I was really confident and assertive. So when Brett, so then Brett comes into my life that summer, we're not dating. He has a girlfriend, but like, he's attracted to me because I'm in my power. And like, that was one of my favorite summers. And I, it was so amazing because I was actually going through like a horrible trauma. My mom, um, was, was in rehab and I was so strong and like capable and I had so much support and love around me. Like everything was just kind of really flowing, yeah. um, in my life. And so then we go apart and move on and don't talk for 14 years. And then I'm getting my finances in order. It's 2017. I'm getting my finances in order and I'm starting to say no. I'm starting to assert myself. I'm starting to like reclaim my voice and really stand in what I can do and what I can't do. I also have another horrible breakup and it was really interesting. It was a short-term relationship. I wouldn't even call him a boyfriend. He would never call me a girlfriend. Um, but I said to my friends, I was like, this feels like my heart is breaking like it did when I was 14 years old. Like it was the mm -hmm. same energy of being so unseen and so unheard and so addicted to this person, like yes. consumed with need for this person to like love me and validate me. And I could just was completely obsessed with him. Mm -hmm. And when we broke up, the only way I could describe it was that I was like going through withdrawal, like everything in life looked gray. And I was luckily uh, one of my very good friends, Laura Gray is a medical intuitive. And we were chatting and she was like, she had been teaching me a lot about, um, like chemical reactions in the bodies and with yeah. addictions and with like the way it works. And then I read the book men are from Mars, um, no Venus on fire, Mars on ice. Mm -hmm. And basically I was like, okay, I'm going to fix myself like chemically. Mm. So I need to like, right now my dopamine is like super down. My serotonin's down. So what do I need to do? I need to like boost up my oxytocin. Cause that's going to make me feel safe. And that's going to make me feel better. How do you boost up your oxytocin? You hang women talking to women, like one-on-one -on -one, that increases mm -hmm. oxytocin. I was like, so I'm not going to do any group activities. Like I'm, I refuse to be in a situation where I have to speak louder than somebody else and try to, um, stand up for myself, you know, like not in a mean way, but you know, when you're in a group of friends and like, everybody's trying to talk over each other. So yeah. I said, I'm not doing any group things at all. That was one. I did not date. I was like, I'm not going to date. I'm going to, I'm literally not going to date ex-boyfriend Texas. Hey, like when I, I'm like, Nope. I tell him, I, I said to him, you know, oh, I'm like, I'm mending a broken heart right now. Like, and he was like, oh, is it from me? And I'm like, no, from ah. three years. what are you? And he goes, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. And I was like, you know what? You did hurt me, but I'm so grateful that you hurt me because you taught me so much that so much that I needed to learn. And I'm, and I will never not appreciate what you taught me like good day. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he never has never reached out to me since. And it was like, again, just like all of these very much like taking back my power, like really standing in my worth. I started working with a trainer that I could afford because I knew how much I could afford and like getting my finances in order. And by the time that Brett came in, I was sitting at a, um, at our front, we met at a, we met at a wedding and my, um, I'm sitting next to my ex-boyfriend's girlfriend, who's now his wife. And we're sitting next to each other and she's like, AJ, are you dating anybody? And I was like, no, I'm not. And I'm so happy about it. Like, 
And I meant it. And I have said that, and I have said that line many times in my life and did not mean it. And I really meant it. And two seconds later, there's Brett. And we've been together ever since. That's so lovely. And I think there's something, I mean, like we've been talking about this whole time, there's something so attractive about people who are able to stand in their power. So for somebody who is in the creative field or really just like in the world and feeling like they are not able to stand in their power financially or, and they just like, don't even know where to start. What would you suggest as the first stepping stones? Oh, that's a great question. Okay. I would say there are three stepping stones. So I think the first thing that you have to grapple with is your relationship to money. Mm-hmm. That's like number one, because by the time, if you look at the numbers first, it's going to suck. Yeah. Um, so understand your relationship with money, understand your beliefs around money and kind of do like an intake of like your whole life with money and just be like, what did I grow up believing to be true about money? Um, that would be my first suggestion. And then I would do a blanket, like just a clean slate of like, what do I want out of life? Mm. And I think it's important to have that conversation with yourself before you get into the money, because the money is the vehicle to do the things you want out of life. And so when you reckon with your finances and you're like, oh shit, why am I spending $400 on takeout? When like, I really care about health and like putting really good food in my body and I'm not honoring that. Or like, I really want to, I always say, like, I've missed out on so many things in my friends, like friends, weddings, friends, babies, yet I'm going and spending $400 on takeout. Like, what's that about? So getting really clear and it's going to take time. You don't have to know exactly what you want to do with your life, what exactly you value, but starting to do that exercise of like, what do I value? What matters to me most in life? Mm-hmm. So that when you look at the numbers and this is where like, I am starting to acknowledge and it, it makes perfect sense that like, I'm tough mom, like I'm ruthless mom. There's a lot of good moms out there. And we needed that, especially as women like to feel safe and secure. You want that mom, mm-hmm. but I'm going to take it to the next like Jungian level. And I'm the ruthless mom. Like mm-hmm. I'm the one who's going to like, be like, I'm going to give you so much unconditional love. It's insane, but you have to fucking look at your finances and you need to just look at it and face it. And it's going to suck. And I'm going to like, hold your hand and find people who can hold your hand through it because it's not fun. But once you do, then you're liberated. It's like, deal with it. Just face it. And every, everybody says to me when they do it, they're like, wow, I didn't know. And I was like, I know it's okay. But now, Mm -hmm. you know, and now you, it's like, when I first got into yoga and you become conscious and you can't go back to bed. Yeah. And that was tough. That was like a long transition of being like, I want to go back to sleep. I don't want to know this information. Yeah. And it's the same with your finances. Like you can't unknow. Yeah. And the key with your finances. So um, it's not just looking at, you got to go back like a few months and see how you spend before you decide you want to get your finances in order. That's really important because it's like when you start working with a trainer, you start working with a nutritionist and you're like, I'm so good. Look at me. It's like your body wants transformation is like 
intrinsic in every single sale on the planet. Any, if you want to buy a shirt, if you want to buy a course, if you want to buy a, you know, a dish towel, yeah, there's a transformational aspect to it of like, I'm going to transform. So when you decide I'm going to go change something, you're, you're ready, you're psyched, your body, you want to evolve, you want to grow. Yeah. So you have to go look at yourself before you wanted to go do that and reckon with how you were spending first. Mm-hmm. And then you can move into, okay, how do I change this? You can't change your finances until you understand how you spend your money. Yeah. And I think that's a part that I know I personally, I think I was just missing that part altogether because thinking about how I used to budget, I would just like pick numbers out of a hat. I'd be like, that sounds right. For right. Like, how you spend, instead of basing it off of you awareness. Yeah. It's, and it's so like looking back at that, it's so silly, but I just didn't know. Like, yeah. What was the work like? Yeah. What was the, what was it like for you to do it? Um, so when we did my historical spending, uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was shocked at what I was spending because I think somewhere I kind of knew, but seeing the numbers in front of me, I was like, oh, oh, wow. I, the biggest one for me was that, uh, I think like in August or something, I spent $400 on clothes and I was like, oh, I didn't think that that was how much I spent, but like, I guess I really did spend that. And for me, it's a lot of little things. I'm not like a a big purchaser, but it's like, if I go to TJ Maxx four times a week, it adds up really quickly. Yeah. Um, And uh, I remember looking at, there was specifically one month where I made more money than I had been making. And I spent way more money than I had been spending. And it was like, well, great. I had this false sense of security. And mm-hmm. so then I went and used it all, but then that money didn't actually provide any security. And, uh, I just kept myself where I was. And I think that's been a big theme for me of, um, of keeping myself in my comfort zone of what I know and the lifestyle that I know, which is in a lot of ways in alignment with the starving artist. And even if I was saying like, I don't want to live this way, I wasn't actually getting the knowledge and doing the actions to get me out of that way of living. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that the way that they're going to get out of that mentality is that something outside of themselves is going to happen. That's going to change it. So they're going to become rich or like an opportunity is going to present themselves or someone's going to fix their problems. Yeah. it's just not going to happen it, yeah. because it, do, it doesn't matter. Like that thing can get fixed. You can get that gig. I guarantee you'll probably spend it yeah. and, it'll be gone. and you'll be like, well, what just happened? And that's a huge thing is that uh, this work is about it's all inner work. Yeah. It's all intrinsically changing your fundamental relationship with money. So it, stop, it stops being something that you avoid or just like hand out like candy and or free candy, like the crappy free candy that you get at like a doctor. Like, why can't they just like, why is it that cheap candy than that white wrapper? For, it's like, what? Like you're a doctor. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And it starts being, it starts being um, something that you're in control of. Um, that you have agency over. Yeah. And I think what you said about essentially that like the habits don't change when more money comes in is so true. And I I like to think of money as uh, an energetic transfer. And when we don't have 
those clear boundaries with ourselves, we're not going to have them when there's more money. And so it's like, I believe that the universe is uh, constantly looking out for us and protecting us and helping us learn and grow. Yep. And uh, I, in the last few months, have been thinking a lot about the idea of if I can't actually manage money, why would the universe send me more? Like, why would it uh, keep this cycle going? And uh, I think a lot of the times we don't start bettering ourselves because it's scary, because it's new. And uh, that's that's where I was. And I remember uh, when we got off of our first call when we talked for the first time and I had just signed up for your course, I got off the phone and I called my mom and I cried and I was like, I'm scared. And I was like, I know I'm doing the right thing. And I know this is what I need to do, but I also know that I'm about to have to change my life in big ways. And my system is just freaking out because it's new and I'm scared. And she was like, this is one of the best things you've ever done for yourself. And I was like, thanks mom. Oh, but I, it's so true. And when people sign up for my unblock your creative career course, the first thing I say in the welcome email is if you're freaking out right now, that's good. It means your system knows change is coming and that's exactly where you should be. I need to steal that. This is where I, again, am like the ruthless mom where it's just like, I'm like, you're in it. It's going to suck, you know? And, and I have to have a little more compassion for that because I was really thrown into the wild. Like, that's just like kind of where it comes from. Um, I just was tossed in and I was like, go figure it out. Yeah. Um, one last question before we wrap up. Well, I guess it's second to last because the last one I'm going to ask you is how people can work with you. Okay. Um, but uh, what do you think? I know you have a whole podcast episode about this, which is phenomenal. But what do you think the relationship between mental wellness and financial wellness is? That's a great question. And I think that it is huge. I think um, I call so something that I say in my mission of the work that I do is um, I help women who are never taught to care about personal finance, but are in chronic stress Mm -hmm. when it comes to money. Um, I call, I say chronic because sometimes it can be very acute. Like when there's a flare up, when like a big bill comes or an emergency happens, Mm -hmm. but overall, I think the majority of people are living in chronic stress around money which is like lowering their immunity, which is affecting their brain functionality because the body is just constantly producing um, stress hormones, Mm -hmm. which are causing the brain to not act correctly because we're not not meant to be in so much stress. And if you think about like fundamentally like human beings 20,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. our our life was, was survival. Mm -hmm. and renewal. And it's like, when can I like reproduce, digest, do these things? And there was like, there was the, the hunt and the being hunted. Mm -hmm. And there was the, the time to digest and process and, um, care for, you know, new life, like, and new life, meaning seeds in the ground or children or, the, the bettering of the population or the growing of the population. And we don't, and like the reason why yoga and meditation and mindfulness are like so prevalent in our, it's embodied in our culture at this point. Like if you can't, if you don't know about it, like, I don't know where you live. <laughs> yeah. Like 
you know about it, you've heard about it. And it's because like everybody's in such a chronic state of fear that like, you know, a building's going to collapse over their head unconsciously, you know, that like, they're going to get hit by a car, that their dog's going to run away, that they're not going to be able to feed themselves that like, so, so many people are living in this chronic state of fear and um, it just wreaks havoc on the body. Um, and it just, like I said earlier, it prevents you from actually getting the work done. Yeah. Um, when you feel like a starving artist, you're going to be actually like bringing that forth that into your life, you know, more opportunities to be a starving artist. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying everybody feels this way. There's plenty of people who are really like financially sound and like have that security and have other mental issues that have nothing to do with money. But, um, in that way that can, you know, that, that stress doesn't just lead to depression and anxiety can also lead to like mania, um, and consumption and addiction. So it's like that need for more, that need for more, that overconsumption of I, if like that famine to feast, like I'm going to feast and feast and feast and feast and feast until I basically explode from the inside out. Um, and I, and I think that money plays a ginormous role in that for so many people from all the different spectrums. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know for me personally, I used to think of the of like my money anxiety happened in my like very early twenties. And then I like did work on it and it was gone. But now looking at my anxiety, realizing that like in a very sneaky way, uh, I didn't actually fully heal the things that were creating the anxiety. Instead, I found really solid, amazing coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so now years later, I wasn't registering that my anxiety was so closely tied to finances. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my anxiety uh, shows itself in going into hyperdrive of working and mm. uh, having that creative on switch, but like to the point where I, I have trouble following through on one idea and one thing that will lead to any yeah. success. And uh, it's been, so fascinating for me to see that like even hours after looking at my finances and getting things in order the difference in my own personal energy and uh and the things that come to me and the doors that open it's just so fascinating and I don't think it's talked about nearly enough but it will be it, it will be. be. There's, you know, when I first started this two years ago, I was like, there's nobody in my industry. I was like, mm-hmm. there's Susie Orman and that's it. And mm-hmm. now there are so many people out there who are starting to talk about it. And it's still small, obviously, like it's like yoga 25 years ago, yeah. but it's, there are people that are like, wait a minute, this fundamentally doesn't work. And we need to talk about it because we need to stop making money taboo and a secret. And we, because then we can address the shame and the anxiety and the fear. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to collectively talk about privilege, right? Like there's so many, we have to talk about money when it comes to privilege. You don't just get to talk about like as a white woman, like the guilt and shame you feel for being white you also have to talk about the money aspect. You also have to deal with that. I know a lot of white women who are like, I have so much shame for being, for having money. I don't feel like it's fair. I don't feel like I deserve it. It's like, okay, we can, we, 
you're not going to be able to do anything productive with that mindset, even if you did want to make change. Yeah. So it's like, how do we get past that and really, and like acknowledge it. And like the, the money is a fundamental part. I mean, they're going on a really random tangent, but like basically a researcher did an analysis that in order to reprimand all of the injustice that has happened to black people in this country, um, we would need to pay every single black person in this country, $800,000. So just to get everybody up to speed. Yeah. Um, Money is so intrinsically involved in that conversation. Yeah, it is. We got to start talking about it. We do a hundred percent. It's so you say that and I'm having a flashback. There's an episode of the West wing, which I love the West wing, but there's an episode where, uh, they talk about that. And I was like, wow, how ahead of their time was that show in certain areas where it's like, they were talking about this. And, uh, I remember so clearly Josh being like, that'll never happen. And then being like, wait, that's like really what we would have to pay you to, to balance it out. And this man's like, yes. And he's like, Oh, okay. And it's just like, I, I think awareness is such a big thing. People just aren't aware. And like you were saying earlier, once you open your eyes, you can't unsee it. Yeah. And I think that goes for self-awareness as well. And that's how we progress and grow and evolve. Yeah. Challenge, go watch five movies. I guarantee they're going to bring up money. I guarantee it's going to cause some source of contention. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. And if people would like to follow you, work with you, do a course with you, how do they do that? Yes. So um, please follow us at beyond the green coaching on Instagram. Um, I am, I do private coaching and I also have a group coaching called Heal Your Relationship with Money and Become Financially Free. That's where Madeline and I um, reconnected. And that is launching on March 16th, I believe. Yes, March 16th. Um, and I keep the group really small mm-hmm. um, because I want to give everybody personal attention. But it is so transformative to be able to have community and talk around money and create dialogue and language around money. And I'm going to teach you everything I know about personal finance and getting your finances in order and setting you on a path to getting out of debt, building wealth, um, becoming financially independent and healing your relationship with money. That's key. So please uh, reach out to me at hello at beyondthegreencoaching.com to learn more about that. And you can also listen to my podcast, Everybody's Bad With Money with my co-host, Amelie Ray. Um, And we have lots of cool speakers. We talk about money all the time and it's really fun. We make money talk fun. I love that. It's amazing. Both the podcast and the course are absolutely wonderful. Highly recommended. Thank you so much for doing this. This is phenomenal. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Energy Studio Podcast. If you work in a creative career, I want to let you know about my course, Unblock Your Creative Career. Unblock Your Creative Career is a nine-week intensive that combines psychology, industry knowledge, and energy healing to help you realign and thrive as a creative being. For more information about Unblock Your Creative Career, check out my website, the-energy-studio.com. If you're interested in other course offerings or some free downloads, check out our free online community. There's a link in the show notes to join. And last but certainly not least, if you enjoyed the music at the beginning of this episode, check out the album Shadow People by our dear friends over at the Heartstrings Project. 
It was released back in December of 2020, and Deepak Chopra has already named it one of the top new albums of the year. That's all for now. We'll talk soon.